Welcome to the Insatiable Appetite Podcast. I'm Shelley Belanco, Senior Vice President of Business Development with the Hartman Group, and it's my pleasure to host today's podcast on private brands. Joining me today is Doug Baker, Vice President, Industry Relations at Food Marketing Institute, the Food Industry Association, where he facilitates professional, non-competitive collaboration among member communities across private brands, technology, and grocery resilience issue areas. In addition to his facilitation of the Private Brands Leadership Council, Doug also oversees FMI's CIO Council, the Industry Collaboration Council, and joint industry initiative, Smart Label. Prior to FMI, Doug began his career in the food retail industry in 1984 with Fry's Food Stores. His 30-plus years in food retail have included leadership roles at Fry's, which is a division of Kroger, Kraft Nabisco, and Federated Group, with focuses on retail operations, consumer packaged goods, and private brand development and marketing. Welcome, Doug. It's great to have you on the podcast. Shelly, I appreciate you having me here. I'm looking forward to the conversation, and, um, you know, uh, thank you. Oh, well, it's our pleasure. You're clearly the person to chat with about private brands. As you know, the Hartman Group is studying the role of brands in consumers' lives, in particular private brands, in our upcoming syndicated research, which we're calling Brand Ambition. I'm looking forward to discussing some of our research hypotheses with you today. But before we do that, I have some questions for you about recent research from FMI. In FMI's 2020 Power of Private Brands report, you say that the pandemic has significantly disrupted and is changing the ways consumers shop and trading partners conduct business. Can you describe some of the ways in which this is happening? In particular, how are consumers changing the way they shop for brands and private brands? Yeah, so, you know, um, very interestingly, and you, you, you were probably impacted as this as a consumer yourself. You know, we uh, we quickly moved from shopping most doing most of our shop in store to moving online, and uh, <clears throat> we've accelerated our e-commerce, you know, years five eight years in a matter of months. Um, but for from a private brand perspective, we're sort of seeing two sides of a coin. And in July of 2020, our research showed that three in ten shoppers said that they were buying more store brands than before the pandemic. You know, and while that's impressive, it was up from 26% the beginning of June. So it was continuing to grow. And then uh, we started to see a reverse trend in the back half of the year. Um, and, you know, you can correlate this to several factors. Um, you know, private brand manufacturers were not able to streamline their portfolios to the extent that brands were able to. So, working with their retail partners saying, okay, let's let's remove some of the slower moving items in order to focus on those core fast moving items. As a private brand manufacturer, every item is unique because every item has a different private brand on it. So they weren't able to execute that to the extent that the brands were, which put pressure on inventory levels. Um, the shift to online, uh, frankly, has not provided the same results uh, for private brands as brick and mortar uh, for private brands in comparison to brands. Uh, I heard a number the other day that um, private brand share online is in the single digits. Um, you know, so if we're looking at 17 to 20 in store brick and mortar share, then you know we're not seeing that same activity online. And and we're obviously there's several reasons for that which we can talk about. Um, <clears throat> and then um, consumers that are eating at home and pivoting a significant amount of their disposable income that they use to eat at food food away, right? Whether it be 
at lunchtime because I was going into an office every day or it was the evening dinner during the week or the weekend. All of that went to home. But what it did too is it, it encouraged or created this desire by consumers who weren't getting recipe fatigue. They wanted to sort of create those experiences that they were having at restaurants, whether it be their local uh, favorite place down the road or it be from a restaurant that they were uh, uh, participated at in, as a vacation in another country. right? And so when you start looking at some of those really unique ingredients or products, not in every instance were they able to find that in a private brand. So those are uh, some of those factors that you know we're starting to see come to light as to why private brands shared leveled off and in some instances dropped um, on the back half of the year. Interesting, yeah, great observations. And you know, your last point about um, eating away from home is a great segue into my next question, which is, you know, with the pandemic causing a shift toward retail and away from food service. What do you see happening in a post-pandemic retail environment? Will consumer shopping behaviors revert back to our former routines? Yeah, you know, it's, it, it, I, I wish I had that crystal ball. <laughs> I'd probably be playing the lottery right now. Um, you have to anticipate that we're going to see some, but you're not going to see it go back to pre-pandemic, I don't believe. Um, one, you can't, you can't unteach people how to you know, eat the way they're eating, cook the way they're cooking, shop the way they're shopping, right? They've learned new skills. And for some, they didn't realize that they enjoyed it so much. Uh, <laughs> and they do enjoy it. Um, you know, uh, but I, 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 you know, the other thing you got to think about too is, will we go back to a 100% in office? I, I'm hearing many companies are going to be in a hybrid, right? So, you know, I'll still be needing to purchase food, for when my I myself or my significant other is working from home to eat at home, um, you know, will families return to the after-school activities with the children that we had pre-pandemic? Right, I, I had two daughters, and boy, we were running from the time we picked them up from school until it was time to put them to bed, and we were eating and in, in uh, passing in, in one car to the other. Uh, so will we see that same type of level of activity, you know, and that still remains to be seen, but we're also hearing that families are like, no, I sort of like having this time together, um, you know, and then the other thing that you got a question, and I think for some, it'll be no problem for others. It'll be an issue. When are we ready to sit in a crowded restaurant next to strangers sharing a meal? You know, so I think there's a lot of things that we've got to consider. Uh, but one thing that our research did pull out, though, is that um, we're going to see a strong trend towards continuing to buy private brands. Um, you know, we still have consumers that are either unemployed or underemployed. We have a whole new potential uh, buying behavior, the, the saver that's coming out of this because of the um, anxiety around income and where will it come or maybe will it end? So people are saving. Um you know, and the other thing I think we need to appreciate the fact is it's also promising that millennials or the age cohort most expecting to purchase private brands in the future compared to before. And that's now the cohort that's actually spending more money um, than any of the others. Excellent. Thanks. Yeah, great observations. And I, I agree, there is going to be some stickiness to the behavioral or, or lifestyle changes that 
we've all experienced over the past year because it is a significant amount of time. And I know we at the Hartman Group are also kind of uh, deliberating a, a hybrid return to work model and trying to figure all of that out. And um, we too wish we had the crystal ball. <laughs> so right, right there along with you. Um, now, uh, as I mentioned, the Hartman Group is currently conducting syndicated research about brands. And we hypothesize consumers will view private brands and emerging brands more similarly than they view national brands. Specifically, innovation around quality attributes will be what sets emerging and private brands apart from national brands. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, I think more consumers are focused on the attributes that the product provides rather than the brand that it carries. The brand is definitely important, right? It builds a sense of loyalty, but it's not what got the consumer to that point. It's how does the product um, meet my needs? Um, what are the health uh, benefits it's providing? Does it, does it meet those health standards that I have? Does it meet the social standards that I have? You know, so I think I think all brands alike and private brands, most importantly, because we don't have large marketing budgets. It's really about how do we take advantage of the space on the package? How do we take advantage of the digital environment that we create within our websites to share with the consumer why our products will meet their needs? It's addressing and checking those. So um, I, I'm in agreement with that. I think we'll continue to see that. Okay, interesting. And, you know, you mentioned the online environment, but, you know, shifting back to a brick and mortar context, as more retailers extend shelf space for their own brands and reduce the presence of name brands, do you see consumers accepting this or do you think they maybe perceive it as a lack of choice? Yeah, you know what? I think you're going to see people on opposite ends of the spectrum of that discussion as well. You know, for some of us, you know, there's sometimes there's too much choice. It's oh my goodness, it's information overload, right? It's like, come on, give me, you know. And and then for others, they want to have the choice. Um, you know, as a retailer, I remember, you know, we had a customer that wanted an item, and they were the only one. And so we'd buy a case, and the other eleven would sit there until that customer came back. If we didn't have on the shelf, we were going to our competitor to get it, right? So the one thing is, is that. Retailers will do what they have to do to meet their specific customer needs. But I also think that we're seeing, and you can, you can see that in the diversity of, of um, formats in our industry, that some consumers do appreciate a limited assortment. You know, I'm looking for something specific in this department, and I'm paying attention to the attributes of the product that meet my needs. I don't necessarily need 15 brands to select from. So, uh, I, you know, I think we'll continue to see various formats, but I do think we'll start seeing some paring down. And I think the pandemic was also a good place to understand that as a retailer. You could walk the stores and understand which products and brands were most important to people and which ones were probably not. And that automatically started creating some skew rationalization. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah, consumer expectations have been shifting, um, certainly, and understanding that is, is critical moving ahead. Uh, and speaking of consumer expectations, um, it seems to us that consumers expect a lot from private brands these days. You know, on the one hand, their own finances are under pressure, so they're expecting low prices. And on the other, higher food quality is a greens fee that keeps going up in terms of consumer expectations. In our private brand research, um, the Hartman Group plans to test our new value paradigm. 
where value is a calculus of product experience, relevance, quality, price, convenience, as well as quantity. Since many in the industry believe that private brands are primarily perceived as a value to consumers because of their low prices. However, we're hypothesizing um, quality will be the main driver of value perceptions, with price just being a close second. In the current economic environment, how do you see retailers balancing perceptions of value and quality in their private brand offerings? I, I love this uh, this discussion um, on this, and I was just having it with some private brand professionals the other day. We actually have ex- we've we've parsed it out one step further. We've parsed it out to say price, value, quality, and they have their own pillars. And the reason why we parsed it out that way is because there is still a price play, no doubt. In every instance, if I'm going to buy a private brand, I believe that I'm going to buy it partly because it's a lower price. It's, I'm going to save money. I'm going to be more efficient, more smart with my dollars. Value, the whole definition around value in the 80s was really tied to price. Now it's tied to so much more, just like we just recently talked about the product attributes, right? What value is this product bringing to me? Is it is it meeting my health needs? Is it meeting my social needs? Is it meeting uh, an experiential need that I'm going to build out a recipe? So value has become so much more than price that you almost have to give it, we believe, you have to give it its own little pillar to talk. And then, of course, quality, right? I've always said that price will get it off the shelf. Quality will get you to buy it a second time. Right, so you've got to have that. Um, that's that's equally as important, if not more important, uh, because that's where the relationship actually begins, um, or is starting to be solidified with that consumers, because the quality did achieve what it was they expected. Yeah, indeed, it's fascinating um, how each one of those dimensions um, is perceived by the consumer, and then how each one of those dimensions interacts with the other. Uh, and so we're looking forward to digging into that uh, once we get the data back. Now, let's return to the FMI um, research. The 2020 Power of Private Brands report saw retailers showing interest in bakery, deli, prepared meal solutions, and fresh meat and poultry from a store brand perspective. We certainly know consumers have been focused on the perimeter for some time. Can you talk about how these opportunities might compare to Center Store? Yeah, there's um, <clears throat> there, there's definitely significant opportunity. You know, from our survey, 83% of retailers said fresh foods such as bakery and deli represent major opportunity for private brand. Um, and that was followed by 79% for prepared meal solutions, 72% for fresh meat and poultry, and 59% for produce. But despite all this optimism, it takes more than identifying opportunities to succeed. Some 40% of those same retailers said boosting private brands' role in those fresh categories is a major challenge. Because, you know, in some, Washington Red Delicious, right? It's, it's not a retailer's Red Delicious. So there's just some more challenges in there. And some retailers, they've taken the position that if it doesn't have a brand name on it, it has their name on it. And in other instances, um, you know, the, the in-store bakery type items that you print off a sticker and you put on a package, it's now they're starting to think about how do I also brand that as my product um, so that I can carry that out. I, the one thing I, th- I found that I always thought was really interesting, and some retailers do it really well, is you know what sells well in your private brand program in the center of the store. 
how can I take some of those items and create signature dishes within my perimeter department? Whether it be a meat marinade, whether it be a deli salad or a bakery product, is there a way that I can take some of those products and I can, I can actually incorporate them working with the manufacturer to create something that will bring that halo effect from the center of the store into the perimeter department? So it's a huge opportunity, but it's not an easy one to quickly fix. Hmm. Interesting perspective. I like that. It's not just enough to know where the opportunity is, but how to execute upon it well. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, the key to success. Okay. Um, 2020 Power of Private Brands identified cooking and the impact of the pandemic on at-home behaviors in the kitchen as a topic that retailers should be aware of. We've certainly seen a rise and then a trailing off of consumer enthusiasm for cooking. You know, they're still seeking convenience within their time-pressured lives. How do you see retailers working to meet needs in the areas of meal preparation and shopping for an occasion such as dinner? Yeah, so, you know, I think the big thing is, is and, and we've seen a few of them doing it um, in the industry, it's uh, part, um, partnering with local restaurants to bring those meal occasions into their stores and give consumers uh, another way of accessing them. I think that's a really unique thing to do, right? I mean, and typically... Uh, we were always on the opposite ends of a conversation, but the pandemic has really created partnerships that we probably wouldn't have otherwise seen. And and so that's one way. Uh, retailers also, from a private brand perspective, is what am I doing currently in my store that is creating those sort of like uh, heat and eat go type items, the meal prepared items? What am I doing to brand those uh, with my own private brand? Uh, is there a partnership I need or is there um, packaging design opportunity that, that needs to just be added to the solution? Um, and and I, I think there's like going to be an assortment of activities um, that retailers will look to. Uh, but I really was excited and thought it was really unique to, to tap on a local restaurant that was popular in your area and say, hey, let's work together. You know, let's let's continue to help you. And help me and, and get the consumer the, what it is that you want in a unique way. Indeed, yeah. And speaking of opportunities for, for retailers, e-commerce and click and collect are both mentioned as opportunity areas for retailers in the 2020 private uh, brands report. Um, we anticipate consumers will be more appreciative of than annoyed by private brand suggestions in an online retail environment. However, the reverse might be true in store. Um, consumers could be annoyed by the expansive private brand offerings and dwindling shelf presence of national brands and emerging brands. How do you think retailers can work to capitalize on the new shift to online shopping? Yeah, um, this one's, this one's um, I think, is going to be sort of like a challenge um, because I've always said that, you know, when you're in the store and you're shopping, you know, for some people, it's an experience, right? If it's not a purposeful trip, it's an experiential trip. The pandemic created in-store shopping as a purposeful trip. Online e-commerce has always been a purposeful trip, right? You're actually, in many instances, doing it because it is more convenient for you. I can do it in my car. I can do it from work. I can do it from home. Um, and so we also learned at the beginning of the pandemic that it was there was some frustration for consumers that we're having to scroll through page after page after page. So we have some work to do within the search in order to make the search um, more revealing to the products that consumers want, utilizing attributes. Private brands needs to figure out how to live within that world, right? So when you're in a store and you're shopping category by category, aisle by aisle, 
you have a four foot set in front of you and you automatically get to compare and contrast with all of the items that are in there. How do you create that same environment in a digital format at the same time removing friction? Now retailers, they own their platforms. They could, in a search, they could always bring up the private brand as one of the first options shown. If you show three, it could be one of the three. Um, there's several things they could be thinking about doing, but then it's also how do we work with third parties that actually manage the platform for us? And, you know, those fulfillment type companies that are doing it. And so I think there's, there's some significant opportunity, but a need for the private brand industry to dive into the fact of how do we live in a digital environment the way we used to live in a store. The benefits that we received in a store, how do we transfer those to the digital environment? And I really think it always comes back to the amount of information that's being shared. We as, as, a, as an industry, private brands, we need to share more information at the point of purchase because we don't have these large marketing budgets in order to share our message to the consumer wherever they end up. So we've got to give it to them when they're at the point of purchase so they can make an informed decision. Yeah, learning is key. You know, you point at, you know, learning from, you know, pre-pandemic to post-pandemic, learning about online context from brick and mortar context. Um, what about learning from other markets? How would you say the American market for store brands is progressing when compared to the European market? You know, we've certainly seen consumer interest in discount retailers like Aldi and Lidl, um, both of which have uh, brought their skills at offering store brands with premium distinctions. How would you say we compare? Yeah, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> I've spent, you know, 34, 35 years in this industry, and we've always looked across the pond uh, to see how we're doing in comparison um, and although it's good, I, I, I struggle to giving saying it's a, a good comparison. Uh, you know, we we have large, iconic, historical relationships with some brands, right? These large, iconic brands. We've built long-term relationships with them. Our competitive footprint is much more dense and diverse in this country. I think what what looking to our friends in Europe does, it gives us some guidance as to, you know, here's some things that they're thinking about and the way they engage their customers. I don't think that we can actually say that we should be meeting them as far as a penetration number goes, um, stride by stride, because I just don't think we have consistent markets, um, very different markets, uh, fewer retailers, fewer um, uh, penetration of those retailers here. You know, you go to one corner and you could have three retailers on the same corner. Right? And that just creates a lot of uh, change, uh, consumers selecting multiple places to shop, where in Europe, in some locations, they, that might be the only place they can shop. So um, I, I think we're doing a good job, I, I guess in short, to answer your question. I think we're doing a good job. I think the, the numbers that we see from Europe, we can't, we can't say we're failing if we're not at them. I think we need to continue to use that as a barometer, just like we learn here uh, in the U.S. We need to learn from other retailers around the country as to what they might be doing that we can apply here. And I think that's why you see Aldi and Lidl doing what they're doing here. You know, Lidl had plans to come out much stronger and actually slowed their entrance down because they saw that they needed a different strategy in the U.S. than they had in Europe. And so I, I think as retailers sort of move through, we're, we're learning from each other but to create a benchmark that we feel we have to muster up against 
with European companies, I think is setting and, uh, you know, it, it's almost setting U.S. retailers up to fail. Yeah, understood. Um, dollar stores are mentioned in the 2020 Power of Private Brands report as specific competitors to grocery retailers. How might grocery retail work to shore up defenses against this kind of discount competition? Yeah, this is one of the questions uh, private brand leaders have been pondering. Um, and it really comes down to emphasizing the brand, right? For retailers who want to compete in this space, they need to look at their value proposition throughout the store. Uh, and not just within private brands, but how do I also support my private brand um, within other areas and other offering, offerings of the store to compete? There is a reason why that consumer is choosing to buy a product at a dollar store versus their traditional grocery store where they're doing their largest purchase. So you need to dive into that. But I can tell you right now, never, not every retailer wants to compete in that strategy. They're, they're, they're perfectly fine with that. So I, I, that's why I preface with that. If you want to compete in this space, you need to do more than just match that space with your private brand offering and price strategy. You need to meet that space with whatever else you're doing in the store along with it. Interesting. I like that phrase, supporting your private brands. And that leads me to my uh, next area of, of discussion. Um, the power of private brands report that focuses on store associates as a potential store brand ambassador is really interesting. You know, in the past, the Hartman Group has often said how important engaged retail employees are when it comes to helping shoppers explore and discover food and wellness products at retail. How do you think retailers can work to encourage staff to engage with store brand products? Yeah, this one is sort of, you know, as a former retailer, this one, uh, I, I now look at this in a completely different light, right? I was the 17-year-old in the store bagging groceries, putting go-backs away on the shelf, and I'd see the private brand in the store. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, you know, but I didn't quite understand what that meant to my company. And I think the more that we can educate our, all of our associates, but specifically our store associates, to the value that a private brand program brings to that retailer, number one, and always most important, loyalty, right? If we want people to be loyal to us and coming back to us, private brands plays a significant role in that because it's the only place you can buy that brand. So profit, number two, um, you know, how do I increase my profitability without having to spend significant amount of dollars and capex on various things throughout the store. Private brands can do that. You know, so I think to the extent that we can have that conversation with our store associates will really help them. <clears throat> I would tell you that, um, you know, there's a couple of things that I thought were really interesting that might pop out as, as potential ways. Ones that I thought were relatively interesting and encouraging is, um, you know, Albertson's companies earlier this year, they actually invited their staff, all of their associates, to vote on their favorite private brand items, right? So it was like, come on, we invite you into being a part of the process. Tell us what you like and why you like it. Um, you know, and, and other companies have done the same. They've invited consumers to tell them which are their favorites, right? So by making them feel like they're a part of the process and part of the success, then they actually want to talk about it. We have the largest sales force in each of our companies to help promote private brands. Now, any retailer would also tell you is that we're not just about private brand. 
in, in most cases, right? It's, it's also about meeting the customer's need. So it's making sure private brands has its, its opportunity and its awareness. And the store associate is a great person to help explain to the consumer what the product is, where it came from, and its value. You can do that through sampling. You can do that through uh, in-store taste tests with the employees. There's several things you can do that way. Um, but we also need to understand we're there to serve the customer and try to get them whatever it is that they want. Absolutely. As the voice of the, the consumer or the shopper, we couldn't agree more. <laughs> and and I, I love your emphasis on making it personal, you know, inviting people into the process because that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for a great conversation, Doug. Um, once we have completed our syndicated research on private brands and beyond, uh, we'd love to have you back to discuss those findings. Um, so thank you very much for, for joining me today. I'd be happy to come back anytime you are, are willing to have me. I would do it with one fine print is my wife uh, uh, tells me I'm often wrong, but never in doubt. Oh, <laughs> sounds like a wise woman. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for tuning into the Insatiable Appetite and we hope you'll join us again. Thank you.